I was born on December 26, 1851, in the middle of a snowstorm in Johnson County, Tennessee. I was the youngest of three boys, and I had an older sister. They say my mom and my pa were good people, yet I can't really say. You see, they both died of the fever in the middle of the winter when I was three years old. I don't have a single memory of either of them. My brothers and my sister told me it was better that way, since memories just made it more painful. So there we were, orphans in rural Appalachia. We were taken in by some relatives who took care of us until we were of age. We lived on our parents' land, about 50 acres, on the side of a mountain, overlooking a small valley town. To me, even though I had my brothers and my sister, I always felt alone. I would look out there and I would wonder what life was like beyond that valley. I loved to read books about the great prairies out west. It seemed like a life of freedom to me, free from the poverty and isolation in these mountains. And one day, I was going to get the courage to climb down this mountain and head out to the great unknown to make my own way in life, to seek my own fortune. In many ways, my older sister, Marie, was like my mother. She had raised me and she saw to it that I attended school at that one-room schoolhouse about two miles down the mountain. She fed me and she made my clothes and she would often travel down to the valley to trade roots that she had dug for books so I could read. She loved me like I was her own child. My brothers struck out on their own as soon as they were old enough to take care of themselves. And before long, my sister married. It seemed like all of them wanted to start their own families to try to recreate something that none of us had ever had before. In the winter of 1872, we all met for the final time to sell Ma and Pa's land. All of my siblings were married with their own children. They had all moved down the mountain and none of us really even had a connection to our parents' land. It just seemed like a cruel reminder of our lonely childhood. So we sold the land and we split the money. And even though none of us spoke the words out loud, we knew this would be the last time we were all together. And as fate would have it, it was. I took my share of the money and I moved down the mountain and I bought a patch of land to farm for the next few years. It seemed like I was doing what everyone said I should do. Heck, this is what all mountain folks did. Work the ground for your food and barely exist. But deep inside me, my heart still longed to get as far away from these mountains as I could. There was no one here for me and even when I was in the company of other people, I felt completely alone. There comes a time in a man's life where he has to make a choice to forget about silly childhood dreams or to follow his heart. So, in the spring of 1877, I sold my land and what little possessions I owned and I set out on my horse westward. I needed to know what was out there. I had to find a place where I belonged. 
I traveled over the great river that the natives called the Mississippi. Through the Ozark Mountains, and I came across the Great Plains, I had never seen such beautiful sunsets or violent storms. I never stayed in a place for more than one night to rest. In the summer of 1878, I traveled over the Rocky Mountains before I finally settled down in the California Valley. At first, I thought I would seek out a spot to dig for gold, but the famous gold rush of the 1850s was winding down, and most men were going broke looking for what little remained. I had always had a way with animals, though. Even back in Appalachia, I could walk right up to a deer, and they weren't afraid of me. So I tried my hand at herding sheep, and those animals trusted me in the same way. I was really good at it, and soon I was making a name for myself as one of the best herders that there was. At my peak, I had over 5,000 sheep, and I was making good money for the first time in my life. I met a beautiful woman named Doreen, and she was an orphan as a child, just like me. We had an instant bond with each other, something much deeper than fleshly desires. She understood what was inside of me in a way no other human could. I loved Doreen like I never realized I could love anything. Soon, we were married and we dreamed of raising a family together. It all seemed too good to be true. I had a beautiful wife. I was wealthy with a large piece of land and a three-room cabin. Yet, Life has a way of kicking a man in the gut when he least expects it. All of my happiness was ripped out of my soul when Doreen took sick with a fever, just like my parents had many years before, and Doreen died. I have to say that a part of me died in the cabin with her. I no longer cared about California, money, or any earthly possessions. I sold everything I had, and I decided to return home to Appalachia. I spent the next four months traveling across America, and one night, I stopped for a drink at a saloon in some small town in Missouri when a beautiful woman tricked me into going into the back room of the saloon where her partner in crime was hiding. They robbed me of all my money after hitting me in the head with a pistol. When I came to, I was laying on the ground in front of the saloon. They had even taken my horse. I had to walk the rest of the way back to the mountains of East Tennessee. So it was. In the spring of 1883, I arrived back home with only the clothes on my back. My sister had died while I was gone, and both of my brothers blamed me. They said she had died of a broken heart because I left. I found myself staring at the sky. Yet, I wasn't looking for answers anymore. I now knew my purpose. The only connection I'd ever had in this world was with the mountains and the animals that lived there. I climbed to the top of the Iron Mountains in the Cherokee National Forest. And there, I would spend the rest of my life in solitude. I built an 8x8 cabin with no windows 
and only a small door, and I fashioned a chimney out of rocks and mud. The only piece of furniture that I had was a bed that I had made out of a split log that laid on my floor. I spent most of my days clearing the land, hunting, or working my garden. Twice a year, I would come down off the mountain to trade roots for supplies at a general store down in the valley. Occasionally, a drifter would stumble across my cabin since the Appalachian Trail was nearby. But, other than that, the animals were my only friends. I had a milk cow named Mary, an ox, and a faithful dog named Panther. One night, I woke up to find a rattlesnake coiled up near the fireplace. But I left him alone, and he soon made my cabin his home, and he lived there for several years with me, before a visitor shot and killed him when he saw him. I can't tell you how angry that made me. That snake had never done anything to me, and I'd met many people in my life that were a lot meaner than any rattlesnake. I came to accept that I was as much a part of these mountains as the animals and the creeks. This is where I belonged. I wasn't afraid of the wilderness because I was the wilderness itself. Nick Grindstaff remained isolated in the mountains of the Cherokee National Forest for over 40 years. Folks in Johnson County, Tennessee would look for him each spring and summer when he came to the valley to buy supplies. They began referring to him as Uncle Nick However, in July of 1923, he never came down off the mountain, and the owner of the general store went to Nick's cabin to check on him. When he opened the door, he found that Nick had been dead for about four days. His dog, Panther, was laying on Nick's chest, still protecting his master. The store owner couldn't remove the body because Panther wouldn't leave his side, and he viciously attacked anyone who tried to touch Nick's body. The store owner returned the next day with several men. They finally tied a rope around Panther, and he tied him to a tree so they could remove Nick from the cabin. More than 200 people climbed to the top of Iron Mountain for Nick's funeral. Panther laid on Nick's casket until they buried him next to his cabin. A few years later, Panther died and was buried right next to his master. Locals took the stone from Nick's chimney and made a tombstone for him that reads, Uncle Nick Grindstaff, born December 26, 1851, died July 22, 1923. Lived alone, suffered alone, and died alone. Nick's grave is still located at the top of Iron Mountain, just off the Appalachian Trail.